Hi, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, and welcome to the Passion Mama podcast. Each episode, I interview a guest about modern motherhood to address its challenges, but more importantly, to celebrate its opportunities. From prenatal experts to postnatal health specialists, nutritionists, mums, and mums to be, I ask them to share their insights and stories with us. Welcome to Passion Mama in Conversation. Welcome to another episode of Passion Mama in Conversation. This week, I'm joined by two friends and female founders, Tamsin Chislett and Natalie Hasek, who have a shared mission to reduce waste and to reignite a love of clothes through a fashion rental service called On Loan. Hi guys, how are you? Hi Ariana, we're really good, thanks. Yeah, all good over here. Great. Um, we like to kind of get straight into these things. Um, so my first question for you is a pretty obvious one. Talk me through OnLoan. Tell me what it is and how it works. Yeah, sure. So um, OnLoan is a fashion rental service. We loan great clothes to women for work and the weekend um, on a monthly subscription. And uh, we partner with the very best premium contemporary designers. Um, we stock their most wonderful pieces. Um, we loan them to women who enjoy and wear them all month and then send them back and swap for something new. Um, and we also take care of all of the garment care between rentals. So it's our job to get keep clothes looking um, almost as new. And our sort of reason for existing is that we, we really believe that, the, that for women who love fashion and love clothes, the dopamine hit of fashion comes from that moment of newness and excitement when you've got something new in your hands or try something new on. But it doesn't have to come from uh, acquiring and accumulating lots of stuff and kind of the corresponding... Um, problem of generating lots of waste and so we're here to provide a way to enjoy great clothes and play around with your personal style but without contributing to fast fashion and all the environmental problems that come with that. That's awesome and that's a that's an incredible mission that you guys have. Um, like with most um, companies that I've been seeing recently anyway including kind of my own I find that you know companies are based are started based on the kind of founder's need or kind of seeing a gap in the market. So what, what, what gave you guys the idea to, to start this? So we, yeah, I, um, I first started thinking about on loan almost two years ago. It's kind of April, 2018 when I'd quit my job and really wanted to do something entrepreneurial and very quickly realized I wanted it to be in the um, region of tackling fast fashion. Cause it's something I've been interested in for a long time. And I started investigating different models and uh, explored a lot of options around building more sustainable brands, but ultimately realized that um, the biggest problem in fashion is really overconsumption and the fact that we're just producing and buying and throwing away too much stuff. And rental was a really exciting solution to that, but with one which hadn't taken off in the UK. And yeah, it absolutely came from a personal need. I was essentially quite jealous looking at the array of options for rental in the US and other places like Australia and Brazil and, and wondering why in the UK nothing had taken off that was just a really great way to enjoy clothes, but also um, environmentally friendly. Um, and so, yeah, so I set about doing some research and very quickly realized that if I was going to be running a fashion business, I needed a, a co-founder who knew the fashion industry through and through. And so contacted Nat and basically put the idea to her that we should do this together. Amazing. And I'm going to get on to uh, how you guys met um, and how you work together in just a second. But talking about that kind of 
sustainable fashion angle and, and I guess there's now some sort of anti the sort of rise of the anti-fast fashion movement that we're seeing but what do you think holds people back from making more sustainable options particularly obviously in this case in fashion but just in general overall big part is habits and and not to be too negative but but laziness and I you know I can say that about myself really I think we just get very used to the ease and effortlessness of how we acquire things and the immediacy and it's really hard to break that pattern of how we do things um and so I think you know making sustainable choices it's it's about making life not harder but you're definitely having to be a little bit savvier a little bit smarter and think a little bit outside the box um in terms of how you go about things and life is fast and we're busy and it's really difficult to change our consumption habits yeah i can i couldn't agree more aside from a cost thing i think that's a massive part in, in what it has for me but also like you said a convenience thing like I'm you know fundamentally pretty lazy <laughs> and I want something and I want it kind of quickly and and my my attention kind of shifts from one thing to another pretty quickly um so yeah I think it's definitely a habitual thing, something that that I'm starting to I hope at least um try to kind of shift particularly when it comes to my fashion and shopping habits um so back to you guys and and how you met Tams and you messaged you, you mentioned that you, you got in touch with Natalie had you how did you guys know each other um, had you worked together before how did you guys kind of come together in this so um, I am very good friends with Natalie's husband I went to university with him and and also joined my first job in the same place as him and so Nat and I met I guess when they first started dating which is how many years ago Nat eight nine ten 10 we're yeah. to a decade already so yeah so, so we've known each other that long and um, and actually generally met mostly in the south of france at a particular music festival that we always used to go to and weirdly would end up talking about sustainable fashion kind of late at night over a few drinks um, so i knew nat had a really strong interest in it as well um and also knew that she just had the like the most amazing skill set which i don't have at all um, so it's a very obvious, yeah, very obvious first phone call to make when I realized what kind of business I was going to be building. But then uh, I think I said, do you want to join the business with me now? And you said no, <laughs> first of all. Um, well, I said no, because I was in the middle of working on um, a project for a big high street retailer that had just gone so badly. And I felt so burned that in that very moment when Tamsin and I went for, went for a coffee and she'd asked me, I was contemplating leaving fashion altogether because I just I'd reached a point where I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, but then I sort of found that whenever I was in the shower um, and thinking about um, all the projects I had on, um, the idea that Tamsin had presented was just sort of becoming a louder and louder voice in my head until I just could no longer ignore it. It become far too exciting. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, then suddenly it was like, absolutely, let's let's just go for this. Let's do it. That's awesome. I love that kind of passion and, and that kind of thought process and that, the, the, as you said, the noise in your head just got a little bit too loud that you couldn't ignore it anymore. That's, um, that's quite incredible. Um, Tamsin, you mentioned that you guys have different skill sets, obviously. Now, maybe can you talk us through a little bit about what skill sets each of you have and what, what you kind of bring to the table? Because, you know, I, I, um, I started fashion on my own. I'm still on my own. But um, really, really early days. I mean, it's still really early days. Um, but when I was even thinking about 
launching um you know I've, I've been, i was told by so many people you know you're going to want to get a co-founder and you're going to want to get somebody who has a different skill set to you and i totally agree that that's something that's super important but obviously i'm not you know I'm, I'm hoping that if that time does come it will happen kind of organically um but it's hard to find somebody who i think um you trust wholeheartedly who then also has that same um shared vision and um, passion as you and also then on top of that has a complementary skill set that's quite incredible um and a really i guess unique relationship and almost marriage of two people to to start a company together so could you talk a little bit about the different skill sets that you have and, and what you guys each do for the company yeah sure i'd say it's all of those things you listed um plus you also have to like each other and and also and spend an awful lot of time with each other in the first especially in the first year but you know our first six months we had you know no one else working with us um it, it's a pretty intense marriage actually it really is i definitely was talking to nat more than i was talking to anyone else in my life including my boyfriend and my kid um but yeah, I, th I think we both feel really lucky that for, for having this partnership and, and there is a lot of luck involved because I don't think, it, you know, it's really hard to predict how you're going to work with somebody before you do. Um, we, we are really different. So my, my background's all kind of business and strategy and operations and investment. And so um, I'm just a very kind of structured, analytical, data-driven thinker. You know, I like a process and like figuring out problems with it. Um, yeah, I just like very structured thoughts and Nat is a really true creative and frankly I didn't even know what a true creative was before I worked with Nat. I had never worked with anybody who was creative in any capacity sort of you know artistic creative um, and now looking back I yeah it's interesting I feel like I was actually very naive about what that looked like um, I remember the first few months of working with Nat I thought what she did was sorcery like you she <laughs> she has an amazing talent where We'll be looking at a, you know, a piece of graphic design that we're putting together or something and Nat can tweak the background colour by something that's almost not discernible to the naked eye and yet as soon as she does it, it all makes sense. And I just have no, my brain has none of that capacity and I have no idea how she does it. So it's been, yeah, one of the biggest pleasures of building on loan so far has been learning how someone else's brain works and how, yeah, just how valuable a different set of skills is. That is some intro, Nat. Hi. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it's like, it's easy. It's, it's, it's easy to, to come back with something equally. I mean, basically this is one of the most precious, healthiest relationships in my life. I've spent my entire working career working amongst other creatives. And that's actually in hindsight, not necessarily the healthiest working environment, especially if you've got kind of alpha creatives who all see things in their own way. Um, and so and also you've got a lot of sort of sensitivity there. I think having worked with Tamsin, I, I feel like it's basically the collaboration I've been waiting for my whole career. Um, day to day, I ask myself, what would Tamsin do? And that has added to my process in the most amazing way. Um, and having Tamsin's incredible sort of structural brain um, organize my thinking has just opened up just so much more kind of creativity for me um, and not a day goes by that I don't feel just so unbelievably grateful for um, our partnership and our yin yang energy and 
um, you know, I often come home and say to Adam, oh my God, like, you know, Tamsin said this and boom, you know, and she just, Tamsin has this, this quick, I, I often say to Adam, actually, it must be really exhausting being the smartest person in the room because I'm just, I'm so often with Tamsin and I just see her outsmart people <laughs> and it's so subtle and it's so brilliant. And it's like, and it's so not from, um, it's not outsmarting people coming from an, a, a place of like, you know, arrogance or wanting to or anything like that. It's just, she is often the smartest person in the room. And it's just, it's an incredible yeah. honor to work with her. And none of what I'm saying is um, forced, but yeah, it's, you know, our relationship really is one of the most precious things to me. Um, and it's the first time in my career that I just, I go to bed at night feeling, I don't know how to describe it. Just, um, I feel like I trust the process implicitly because I know I'm doing it with Tamsin um, and, I, and I trust our brains together will make the right decisions. And that's just so incredibly comforting. You mentioned trust, Ariana, and I, and I think that is the bit that's felt so easy for me in that. And in some ways, I do wonder whether having um, separate and complementary skill sets makes the trust easier um, because, we, we, because we don't overlap so much in, in what our real core skill set is. You know, we obviously overlap in things about talking about culture and strategy and the kind of people we want to hire and how we're going to help them grow. And all of that is very much collaborative but our core skill sets are so different that actually the trust I think comes quite easily because I think frankly we both think what the other person can do is a bit of magic and doesn't make sense to us so in some ways the trust is probably easier than if you worked with somebody whose skill set is much more overlapping um, which has been a real yeah real pleasure to find out. I've got goosebumps like I'm literally like this is it sounds from what each of you have said about each other it sounds so it's sounds so genuine so beautiful like like as you said Natalie like this like precious relationship I mean I'm like can I can I get in there ladies <laughs> it sounds so lovely I'm really happy for you both um having really not actually even known you known you for very long um that you have this and um that you're working together to build something incredible so like I guess congratulations on that because it, it is a wonderful thing to have um You've talked, we've talked about the relationship between the two of you. Let's talk about your relationships um, outside of work. So you're, you're, both, you're both mothers. Um, can you tell me each a little bit about your little one, your family, family set up? Nat, you go first. So my family set up. So I, ha I had Lenny uh, in June of last year. So he is coming up to 11 months old. Um, he's coming up to a year old in June. Um, and oh, what else is there to say? He's just, I mean, yeah. So from looking at the on loan timeline, I'm sure um, you would have seen that Lenny came sort of, I think it was a very timely week after we'd closed our first, um, our first, Tamsin, how do you describe this round? The seed round. <laughs> Pretty <easy>. Angel round. <laughs> Angel round. <laughs> I get confused with all the terminologies with the different rounds. I, I know, I know that this is the round of friends and friends of uh, and friends of friends. But um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so we um, so Lenny, Lenny, Lenny came onto the scene exactly a week after after that had happened. Um, and he is, you know, I think, I think that having a baby and starting a business at the same time, despite how it how you think it's going to be it's actually pretty great 
Um, it has meant that nothing has felt too big um, or too scary because you just sort of, for me anyway, you sort of get into mama mode and you have to be okay. So <laughs> you can't afford not to be okay. So anything that goes on at work, any kind of bad day, it just sort of like disintegrates the second I see his face and it all kind of goes, you know, sort of just floats away. So I have uh, two kids. I have Mo who is just turned three in March and Marcy who was born in September. So exactly three months after Nat had Lenny. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely a juggle trying to do a business and have a toddler and a new baby at home. Um, but like that, I wouldn't really have it any other way at the moment. I think there's been definite benefits. Having said that, right now, I didn't expect to have a pandemic on top of everything else and have both kids at home whilst I'm trying to run the business from home. So that's definitely been a bigger challenge than anything else. Um, but, but no, in general, it's been great. You were both pregnant whilst you were raising your seed round. Is that right? That's right. That is right. Yeah. So we kicked off raising the round in... January um, hoping to close it within six months and at that point uh, I just got pregnant and that was three months pregnant and uh, just past three months so we knew obviously that for the duration of raising money and um, we would both be visibly pregnant probably by the end of, of, of that period and um, and we also knew that we had to figure out at what point we were going to share with investors that we were both going to be having babies not long after they'd invested in us uh, which is uh, a pretty fascinating challenge. I mean, you know, lots of people know the stats already, like one P of every pound of investment in the UK, I think it was 2018, went to uh, startup teams that had two female founders. That's it, one P on every pound. So it's extraordinary already, um, the sort of bias against female founders. And then um, to be both pregnant at the same time kind of screams, we're female, in case you hadn't noticed. So it's really just, really just sort of making it um, very obvious um, and, you know, putting that conversation out there. And yeah, going into it, that definitely felt like it was going to be a big challenge. I think, I think there were challenges to do with it. I think, you know, I don't know about you, Nat, but personally for me the biggest challenge was just around energy so I was you know in that first trimester when I I get completely fatigued and I had it very bad with both kids you know I have to really go home and I'd love to have a five-hour nap in the afternoon is kind of my general vibe for a few weeks and instead of doing that we were starting to meet investors and bringing our a-game and telling them how incredible we were and how this amazing this business was going to be and all I wanted to do was snooze um that was really hard and then we were closing the round and finalizing deals whilst Nat was literally ready to pop. So we had meetings where, um, yeah, where Nat was as, almost as pregnant as you can possibly be. And yet we were closing investment rounds. So there definitely were challenges to do with it. Um, I think we also feel like there were some benefits. The main one being that we, we had a sort of built-in filter for which kind of investors we brought into the business. So, uh, you know, we knew that there would be some investors who didn't want to invest in two pregnant female founders. And frankly, we didn't want them as investors. So it's almost an easy way of checking that you share values about what kind of business we're trying to build and what kind of people we are and what's important to us. Um, and it's wonderful to have a set of investors now who, I mean, barely batted an eyelid. They just, they just said, okay, this is all part of the package. Like, let's go, let's go build something um, and just moved on. And yeah, it was really nice to have that filter built into what we were doing.
That's, I mean, that is amazing. And also the fact that both of you fell pregnant at the same time. Um, <laughs> I've, I've never heard that story before, so that's incredible. When did you decide to tell investors that you were both going to be giving birth within a short, you know, within a time frame quite close to each other? And when you did decide to tell them, what, what, was, what, was, the re what was the reaction? I mean, you, might, you must have had... Well, I don't know. Uh, I imagine some, some, as you said, didn't bat an eyelid. Others might have said, we well, yeah, I'm actually not interested. How, how, was, how were the reactions and when did you decide to tell them? So our strategy generally was to try not to tell people in the first meeting. That obviously got harder the more pregnant Nat was. Um, although she was very good at disguising it for a long time. But yeah, our strategy was to try and get investors part of the way along the journey and get them excited about us and about what we were going to build um, before we brought it up the question of um, how we were going to deal with the fact that we we're both giving birth that year. Um, uh, you know, my theory was always that we should tell investors before they invest. There was a sort of fleeting moment when I wondered if we could get away with keeping the whole thing secret. And of course, both we couldn't but also we knew we shouldn't we really wanted to build a relationship of trust and the thought that we would have to close the round take someone's money and then call them up and tell them was just such a you know a horrible way to start a relationship so we knew we'd tell them before they invested and then my strategy was always to try and push it back a little bit just to make it not the very first conversation you were having um I do there was <laughs> We had a few friends invest, so that was nice and easy. You know, we knew that they were they were really investing in us because they'd known us a long time, and so they weren't going to worry about the fact that we had this this sort of hurdle to get over in the first year. Um, there was one investor I told by accident. He already knew that Nat was pregnant, and he sent me a WhatsApp about something, and I just read it wrong and thought that he somehow found out that I was pregnant too. So I replied, <laughs> making it very clear that I was, and he wrote back saying, "Oh, I didn't know you were pregnant as well," <laughs> which was a pretty awkward moment to get out of. Um, but he's amazing and has been one of the most supportive and um, brought in a friend of his to invest too. And just yeah, he's definitely in that category of people who didn't bat an eyelid in the end. Um, we did have a few people, well, lots of people who said no, as you always do when you're raising investment. And I think there are a handful of people that we are pretty sure it played a big role in their decision not to invest. Um, but it's really hard to tell. You, you know, no one says to you, I'm not investing because you two surely can't build a business and have babies in the, you know, at the same time. No one says that out loud. You just get hints from the way they look at you or the way the questions they ask. Um, my favorite one was, what do other investors think about the fact that you're both pregnant? <laughs> that just was a very revealing question um, about the attitude of that investor. And they didn't invest, and I don't think it's any great loss to us that they didn't. Um, uh, that, but that, that really is as close as you get to an admission that this, is, that this is part of what people are thinking about. You can't tell, and you just have to plow on and find the investors who are, who are cool with it. Did it ever cross your mind, we're two female founders, we're, we're both doing this, at certain point heavily pregnant we should be aiming for female investors versus male investors for them to be more understanding or was that not part of your thought process at all and you're like it's irrelevant whether i'm pregnant or not i'm a founder of a company and i'm going to go and get some dollar um, so we did aim for female investors but not because we were both pregnant um we aimed for female investors because i think having a balance gender balance in your investor group is really important um we're building a business where women are our main customer so we need to probably get the model quicker um but also because i really believe in um 
in what we're doing. And I hope we're going to generate investors a lot of wealth. And I really want a lot of that wealth to go to women, not to men. Um, and actually, I borrowed an idea. I think it was Sharmadine Reed with Beauty Stack, I'm almost certain, who said that she had a lower uh, minimum ticket size, i.e. Um, um, the smallest amount somebody can invest. She set that at a lower rate for women than she did for men. And so we did the same thing. So our minimum ticket size for women was half what it was for men to make sure that we could bring more women in. Um, and I'm so happy we did because we have a 50-50 split on our, on our investment roster. That, I was, that was actually going to be my next question, you know, how many female investors do you have to male ones? The halving the ticket size for female investors is absolutely genius. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I loved it. As soon as I heard it, I was like, brilliant, we're doing it. And, and it genuinely worked. The, the funniest one is some very good friends of mine, like closest friends, a couple, and they wanted to invest um, just to kind of, you know, chip in a little bit. And they asked to do the minimum ticket size for women and I said great but then it has to be in her name not not yours and they switched it over so it's in her name and it just made me laugh it's it's um you know really obviously they're investing as a couple great but I it was important to me that it was her name on the cap table on the investment table not his and it really worked um yeah I highly recommend it I think it's a great strategy I think it's genius. I'm, I'm going to, when the time comes, I'm definitely going to nick that one. Um, right. We spent a lot of time on investment. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm hugely interested in it because I've never done it before myself. So um, thank you for kind of sharing those um, nuggets of wisdom. Let's move on from the investment um, side of things. You've both had your kids. Um, you're now sort of I mean, did you ever take your feet off? One of you always have your foot on the pedal to just keep the business going. Um, how was, how, you know, how and when did you guys manage that transition back into the workplace after you'd given birth? Nat, do you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, so I, for, I, I guess for me, Lenny was my, is my first baby. Um, and Tamsin and I always had, you know, um, an understanding that I would come back um, when I felt I was ready to, uh, within a sort of six month period. Um, I think I, you know, I look back and I really surprised myself. Um, Adam has a few pictures of me feeding while, um, writing emails. And, um, I, I always knew that I wasn't going to be able to completely switch off from unknown because I just felt far too passionately about it. Um, but I think I did surprise myself, um, in the sense that I, I really, my, my, my thought, my thinking was entirely split 50, 50 between new baby Lenny and other new baby on loan. Um, I had a three, I had a three month maternity leave, um, which was, which was great. It was what it was, but, um, in terms of, in terms of switching off, um, that didn't really come for me. I actually, looking back, used that three month maternity leave to spend day in, day out on the couch doing a lot of research about what I think the story of On Loan, you know, needs to be um, from a brand perspective. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, um, that's kind of how, you know, sort of how long I took off. And then, um, yeah, Tamsin, I'll let, I'll let you, let you reply now. Yeah, sure. So I, I had two weeks off, um, which even when I say out loud sounds a little bit bonkers, um, but, but didn't feel bonkers. So essentially the plan was that I would 
have the baby and then just see how I felt. And we'd set things up at home so that my partner was going to be the full-time carer. Um, he, um, uh, I guess, volunteered. Did he volunteer or did I tell him? <laughs> did I ask him? I can't really remember. It just happened. Um, but he was going to be the main carer. So he quit his job in time for me to have the baby. And then the plan was I would just see how I felt and go back at whatever pace I thought made sense given um, you know, given what kind of birth I had and what kind of baby I had and just how I was feeling. And so both Nat and I, you know, there was no pressure on me to hurry back, but actually I felt good after two weeks. And, um, you know, when you have somebody else taking over night feeds straight away and your your main focus is just on recuperation for you and making sure you feel better, um, it's very, very different experience to what I had with my first baby where, you know, I was breastfeeding every half an hour through the night and going through all those crazy hormonal changes and all the turmoil of realizing that you're responsible for this little human, you know, sharing that so that somebody else was doing 95% of it and I was doing a little bit just meant that the time I had for me really helped me feel great really quickly. Um, I was very, very lucky to have a extremely quick and um, slightly nuts birth. Um, I, I, I actually gave birth at home before the ambulance got here in time, which is a whole story in itself. Um, but again, very, very different to my first birth, which was 28 hours long and in hospital and epidural and nearly a C-section and the full works. There was no way I could have gone back to work two weeks after my first baby. But after the second, it felt fine. And so I did. And um, whilst I was gone, Nat was just just sort of coming back from maternity leave. So she really, you know, um, like you were there in the business for those weeks that I was off and, and for the weeks afterwards when I was coming back slowly. Um, but we also had a, a, our first employee by then, an amazing woman called Jess, who deserves a shout out because she was, you know, sort of barely out of university and essentially was interim CEO for a bit whilst we had our babies. And so without her, I think we would have been in a stickier situation. That's, that's incredible. I mean, we'll save your home birthing story for another <laughs> because I definitely want to hear that we both went but I mean two weeks back in is is incredible and you know I don't have children so I, I don't I, I can't um I can't speak from first-hand experience but I can you know I've definitely through passion I have come to kind of hear so many women's stories and I think that you know especially when it's your first child if there's a tendency to kind of perhaps struggle with identity sometimes in those first few months. And I think having purpose with work, especially when it's your own, your own company, as you said, you said your second baby, um, that can really, I suppose, help mentally um, and kind of just give you that footing sometimes in the, which can sometimes be lost early, early, early months and, and stages of motherhood. So I'm really glad that you guys, you guys had that um, to, to kind of, feel that support and kind of get back to, I guess. Um, I couldn't agree more with what you've just said. It was, on loan kept me entirely grounded and it was a focal point that, I guess, um, took my mind off the madness of having a first baby. <laughs> um, so everything you just said, I completely familiarize and agree with. Cool. And, and just to say, when, Nat, when, when you went back to work, um, it just happened by chance that Nat's partner, Adam, had finished one job and was between jobs. And so we had this wonderful period where Nat and I were both back at work, both with babies under sort of four or five months. And it was our um, husband, boyfriends, who were meeting in the pub with the babies for the afternoon whilst Nat and I were hard at work in the office. And 
they'd sometimes bring the babies by and we'd like rush outside and give them a cuddle and then send them off back to the pub again or, or baby cinema was their other favorite haunt um the four of them and yeah it just felt really really wonderfully modern and and great um feel very lucky to have to have been through that and I do want to say that I I you know what I learned from having one baby and then having a second what was so different for me the second time around was just the confidence to do it the way that made sense for me I definitely didn't have that the first time around I felt like there were certain pressures to take a certain amount of time off or to enjoy it a certain amount or to just react to things in a particular way and it was weird that's not how I've ever run any of the rest of my life and yet I felt like that with the first baby and so with the second baby, it was just wonderful to be able to say, oh, well, actually, this, I, I could do this a different way and this way works out really well for me and my partner and we're just going to go for it. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't have done it first time around, I don't think. That's so great. I love that. I love that image of the men in the pub with the babies and you guys hard at work, so it should be. Um, um, let's, let's come back to present day, I guess. Um, let's talk about lockdown and COVID-19. How has um, this pandemic affected the business um so it's been i think my standard line that i keep saying over and over again because it's true is it's not as bad as i thought it was going to be um which is either positive or negative depending on how bad i thought it was going to be so it has affected the business quite a bit our our value proposition is um lending clothes sorry lending lending clothes to women to wear to work and out and about on the weekend and the evenings. And so our customer staying at home en masse clearly has a big impact on their interest in temporarily owning great clothes. Um, having said that, we have benefited a lot, I think, from the fact that we are still fairly small and we have a really loyal, supportive customer base, um, many of whom have stuck with us through the crisis and carried on renting just some fabulous clothes, even though they're still staying at home so um we've been lucky not to have a huge drop off in revenue that we probably thought we would have at the beginning and we've we've also been really grateful for some time not chasing growth and not trying to grow our subscriber numbers but really focusing on um two things i guess one is product just improving our website a lot of which is about to be relaunched um and then two our relationships with our suppliers so we we buy directly from uh, fashion brands and they're all going through a lot of turmoil as well and it's been great to just spend some time talking to them and coming up with creative ways we can work together two things which we always keep meaning to do but you always run out of time when you're really focused on growth um so there has been this window where we've we've been let off the hook slightly um to do something else um it's been a bit of a wild experience i mean i think that there's there's definitely an emotional curve we've all been through wouldn't you say that a kind of uh you know yeah. you start off very a bit scared <laughs> and then we're coming out the other side yeah definitely i mean we, you know i you know tams and i we didn't even catch up on this but just seeing everyone's faces on zoom on monday we had a team catch up and you could just see that um our team were just longing to sort of sit in the same room together and feeling a little bit i guess just low energy um but yeah we've done a we've done a good job I think of riding the ups and downs um and all I guess feel it we've been in sync emotionally as a team which has been really great I don't know if you agree with that Tamsin but it's yeah I do. when we yeah exactly um it's yeah it's 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 certainly interesting but I think what's what's been a great silver lining is that we've 
really had some time to focus on community um and so yes we've been spending far too much time on instagram um but for a really positive reason which is sort of getting into communication with people who we really see as being part of the unknown world and um pre-covid we certainly didn't have time to spend as much time um yeah inv investing investing in um community outreach so i think that's been really great for us good I'm, I'm i'm glad to hear that one last question for you guys what are your hopes for the future of your business where do you see this in five to ten years so we we're pretty ambitious about it we'd really love to be a major player in the in the uk fashion industry and and maybe abroad we actually had our first international customer sign up this week um, we really want to be a part of that transition for the industry from this model of, you know, buy something, wear it a bit and then drop it, whether that's throw it away or let it languish at the back of the wardrobe to much more um, conscious consumerism, for want of a better phrase. Um, but at the same time, maintaining just a really exciting and fun level of fashion and great clothes. and. We always talk about being equal parts fashion and sustainability and we really believe in the future of the industry to be able to do that and we just want to be a big a big part of the journey the industry goes on to get there um nat do you want to add anything to that yeah sure i think from um so naturally i see uh, i see your question visually and um i think back to the sort of 60s and 70s when dressing up just to go to the shops was entirely normal um and i look at women in their 30s who is our main demographic now and there's a real level of function to how we to how we dress um we went through sort of the thick and fast trend cycles of Topshop and what the high street was able to provide and then i think we became so fatigued by it that we all um started building a utilitarian wardrobe of very simple basics um, I'm obviously not speaking for everyone. I know there are some fashion peacocks still out there, but I think the majority of women in their 30s, yes. And so I imagine Unknown contributing to a colourful landscape of fashion diversity without the waste and where we start to see women in their 30s experiment, have fun and enjoy fashion again. And just you know sitting on a park bench one day and watching a whole myriad of wonderful fashion identities walk by um without yeah without the waste what incredible um what an incredible vision that you, you both have and um i think that's probably the, the perfect place to end um thank you so much for talking to me and for kind of sharing your stories both personally and professionally you are <laughs> in, it's an, I'm really, really inspired and I'm really excited to see how you guys um, grow in the future. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.